I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One day in the pub, Seb and Verity were socializing with hilarity. They knew there and then that their options were vast. They bought some equipment and made a podcast. What do you think you are doing, you twits? It's cliched and obvious, you know. Welcome. My name is Seb Philpot. <laughs> and my name is Ferity Simmons. And welcome. This is Three in a Bar. Three in a Bar. Yeah. yeah it's that podcast that you listen to where each week there's a different musical guest. Mm-hmm. And uh, from all different areas of the sphere of music. The sphere, That's right. the box, the oblong, that is <laughs> the industry of music. And the music verse. The musical verse, yes. Yeah. Music first, and we've talked to all kinds of people. As you know, if you listen before, if this is your first time, then then welcome along. Hi. Um, well, hi. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. We've got a um, a very great guest this week, which um, we really had fun interviewing yeah. this lady. Um, please, Verity, tell us who it is. We have got the founder and artistic director of the Irene Taylor Trust, Sarah Lee. Yes. Yes. That's right. Now, we recorded this only last Wednesday. We did. And a couple of days before, we were due to do this over over Zoom, but Sarah texted us and said, uh, I don't know what your plans are, but um, do you fancy coming to our offices in Mm. Richmix? Which is, uh, if you know that place, it's an incredible kind of arts venue. Uh, There's various charities and things run out of it. It's just kind of top of Brick Lane, Shoreditch High Street, that kind of area. And I always love that area. Me too. um, but it was really nice to do an in-person interview for the first time. Oh, wasn't it? Since like, was it November? Before or Christmas, something? for sure. Like yeah. we had our party, didn't we, in December that we filmed? Um, but yeah. that, like, yeah, ages. It's been ages, and we got the boardroom of the Rich Mix. How yeah. cool was that? <laughs> yeah, we did. We felt so important. Yeah, it was like. Wow, I, oh, I felt really good. It was a big um, step up for us, yeah. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> so that was really good. So you'll hear that, yeah, you know, we're, we're actually in the room with the person for the first time in ages. Mm. And I think it's a kind of grey area, isn't it? Like whether we can, we, I think we can, we can probably start doing that again now. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I gather, having read around this, that it is fully legal and acceptable for us to be in the same room as it is for work. Yeah. 
work reasons. Um, but we should explain a little bit about Sarah and the Irene Taylor Trust, shouldn't we? Because I've realised we've just left that hanging should. there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's the Irene Taylor Trust? Come on. Who well, funny Sarah you should Lee? ask. Hmm. Well, <laughs> so I've, the Irene, I've got the website yeah. up. Of the, oh, good. Oh, you can come up with something start with? Shall we start with the Irene Taylor Trust? Go on, Seb. Throw okay. us some stuff. Okay, I will do that. Okay, well, the important thing to say is that it's been going for 25 years. They had their 25th yes. anniversary celebration at the end of last year. What they do... Um, they go to prisons mm-hmm. and they run projects there, working with prisoners there, creating music. Uh, that's how it all began. But it has expanded to doing things with young people. Yeah, they also work with ex-offenders out in the community after they've left prison. And they also work with uh, on something called the Lullaby Project, which is with young, I think it's teenage parents. Um, so it's, it's really expanded, hasn't it, into yeah. all areas of the community and... She's just a fantastic, inspiring person. Yeah. Oh, she really is. Yeah. And, and what's Sarah's background? She, oh, she, she w- went to the Guildhall. Yeah. Studied clarinet and, she and was piano. Studying the clarinet. Yeah. Yeah. But she got a job working in Wormwood Scrubs. Yes. Teaching music there and got to meet a lady called Irene Taylor. Mm-hmm. And she had a personal interest in penal reform and music. Mm-hmm. They met and was so inspired by Sarah's work that. Uh, following Irene's death in 1995, the Taylor family set up a charity that would continue to do the work. Yeah. And so the Irene Taylor Trust Music in Prisons programme began and it's really an inspiring thing. So we, we wanted to talk to Sarah about that. She's a wonderful person. She's really fun and talks really eloquently about music in prisons, but also is just a total joy to be around, isn't she? We had yeah. such a nice time. That's right. Um, If you enjoy this podcast, there's an extra episode of stuff we couldn't fit in because we chatted to her for ages. So if you'd like to hear more, we have a Patreon, which you can join. And when you join that, you get immediate access to bonus episodes with every guest since... Alice Kent, whenever oh, that yeah, was. Oh, yeah, way back, back on. We started <laughs> yes. it back then. So there's an extra bonus episode for every guest. And for this, there's about 25 minutes of um, bonus chat with uh, yeah. Sarah. Because it was so hard to cut this episode down because everything she had to say was interesting and interesting. Yeah. And did yes. I just say interesting? <laughs> I genuinely couldn't remember which words I'd used. <laughs> interesting <laughs> and interesting. <laughs> so we got in touch with sarah via our friend rob wilson the excellent trumpet player but also multi-instrumentalist he plays keyboard he plays guitar plays all sorts of stuff now he works for the iron taylor trust and he contacted me he contacted me in the autumn around the 25th anniversary and was like hey you should get in touch with uh, sarah because uh, she's amazing and it's the 25th anniversary uh Finally, in March, we've got around to doing it. So, uh, <laughs> so thanks, Rob, nice. and sorry. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for setting up that connection. Let's get into the chat, come and on. then we'll we'll come back, and then we'll have a chat. All right, and then. And then we'll decompress. Lovely. So uh, here we go. This is Sarah Lee. So what are you up to at the moment, like in your day-to-day in the office? Well, I come into the office now maybe two or three days a week just to yeah. keep my, my mind kind of working, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, We all worked at home and we took a decision very early on to um, 
look at all our projects and see what we could what we could um, revamp to make work in different ways. I think for us, um, and there were some other people in the sector who were thinking in a similar way, that we work with really vulnerable people and the thought of not being in touch with them mm. at, at a time where all of us have found it really difficult. Mm. We were just thinking to ourselves, mate, if we're finding it difficult, they're going to be finding it doubly, trebly difficult because they're going to be really, really isolated. So that's one of the reasons that we decided to just put all our energies into um, making the programmes work online. And I'm so pleased we did. Yeah. Um, other organisations hibernated, um, furloughed, all that kind of stuff, and we didn't. And it was a bit of a leap of faith because nobody knew what was going to happen at that time. But, you know, you get a sense of who you work with and the groups that you work with. And for us, it just seemed a no-brainer. So it's why we did what we did. And I'm so happy we did it. That your twenty fifth, twenty fifth, sorry, anniversary yeah. concert. Uh, congratulations! Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. But that that was a real fantastic piece of work that you managed yeah. to get together online. Yeah. Um, you must be so chuffed with that. Yeah, we were chuffed. I mean, we, we were going to do a big gig, and we'd always planned yeah. to celebrate the twenty fifth, and it was going to be downstairs in, in this building, and we were going to get the, the the main space and do a doing a do a cracking kind of gig, and then of course it's not possible. So we thought, oh, we have to do something. So we really, we went to the, to such a far extreme and we put ourselves, ourselves under quite a lot of pressure, um, being that we decided that we would put out something on social media every single day. And so starting on the 1st of of November, um, we, we were highlighting various parts of our project. We were getting the project team to talk. We were highlighting, for example, the work we do writing songs for prisoners and their kids. Yeah. We highlighted the Lullaby Project. We highlighted um, our former prisoner project, our young people's project, our prison project. So we kind of divided it all up and made sure there was something exciting happening every day, mm. even if it was just like five or ten minutes or something yeah. online or it might have just been, you know, films that we'd made. But it it really got some nice interest. But we were always working towards the 25th of November, which was our actual 25th anniversary. And in the end, we decided to go for broke. And... God, we were so lucky because those films of the songs that you saw, yeah, um, we managed to finish filming those 24 hours before the second lockdown started. Oh, right. And they announced, they, they announced the lockdown and we had these dates in the diary and we'd, we'd been really careful because there were, I think, seven or eight songs, can't remember. Um, and we obviously had to get one person in, in at a time. Um, four of the project team, myself and three colleagues, were playing the, were, were the band, so we had to rearrange those songs. So we were kind of um, up and ready to go. We did, I think we we rehearsed and and kind of revamped the songs over a period of maybe four or five hours and learnt them on instruments we don't play, obviously, because those instruments are not necessarily the ones we play. And I noticed that you were swapping around a lot oh, as well. Yeah, that's yeah, completely, yeah, we did. I couldn't Just believe it. a bit that. harder yeah. to yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we like a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then when we when we got to record them, we 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 got one of the people in, and yeah. they did it twice, and then they left, and somebody else came in. So we were being really respectful of what people might feel that um, the lockdown kind of or, or just distancing at that point was. Yeah, you know, masks everywhere because we recorded it at the premises, which was fantastic. Oh yeah, oh, yeah it's great. Though. Love it there. Yeah. Absolutely love it. And um, they still do a really good breakfast upstairs. Is this on Hackney Road? Yeah, in in the cafe cafe just upstairs, yeah, next door. Lovely. Isn't it good? Yeah, they do good lunches, they do good breakfasts. Yeah. And they probably do good teas as well, but we didn't have one of those. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, we have plenty of the rest. <laughs> so yeah, they um, the government announced the lockdown, and they hadn't announced the date at that point. And myself and, and colleagues and the musicians were just going, "Oh no!" Because mm. our whole twenty fifth anniversary film hinged on these seven bits of music, which we were going to use as the kind of live element. Yeah. Anyway, we were lucky by twenty four hours. God, I'm so glad for you. I really. I know. Am. I know. Oh. So you must have, that must have been quite a machine getting them through, like one after the other to make sure that you could get, you know, it's no mean feat even as professional musicians as, you know, as you guys are, but then bringing in uh, the artists you're working with. Yeah. That must have been really hard for them. Were they good at just like snapping into recording mode? Well, they, yeah, they are. They were very nervous, understandably. Um, We do know them quite well. Um, So that makes for easier interaction. So it's not like we, we haven't met them before. We've worked with them before on various projects. We know them, you know, some of them we've known for years. Yeah. So it kind of it kind of helps when you just say, okay, whoever it was we were working with, you need to turn up 15 minutes before your start time, just loiter outside. Then when you see somebody come out, you can come in. Yeah. And but of course everybody was really excited to see everyone because that we hadn't seen people for I don't know, five, six, seven months by that yeah. point. So the excitement of being in a room and, you know, for me, Rob, Emma and Charles, we hadn't worked together since March. Oh. And it, we, we were like kids in a sweet shop. It was, yeah, it, oh, it was so lovely. Oh. And you kind of just look and you think, oh, you are real after all. I've seen you every <laughs> week on Zoom, but you really exist. Yeah. And then kind of just trying to get into the zone with playing instruments again yeah. and being in a, in a live setting and then also being very respectful of the the guys singing the songs who mm. aren't professional in the same way and, and don't have experience of how to make something work necessarily kind of just like that. Yeah. Um, so you you take on a role of not only being uh, a musician in the band, but also one of just making sure that they're okay. You know, how mm. are you feeling? Do you want to do it again? Should we try transposing the song? How do you want it to sound? So just being that kind of support for them. Yeah. Because th- yeah. they were the front people. You know, we could poodle around on the instruments at the back, but they were the guys that were going to be remembered. Yeah. Also, they, they tend to be singing about very personal things, don't they? Yeah. yeah. About about their families or themselves. So you, you want to give that a lot of respect. Yeah, that's yeah. that's absolutely right. Um, and I mean, we find that in all the work is, is that the subject matter is is very close to their hearts. Mm. And for that reason, you know, and we would anyway, you really respect it and you understand that they're probably telling you more than they would ever tell you in a conversation. Yeah. yeah. Then you're hearing it in words and afterwards you think, oh God, there's so many questions that I want to ask about about that relationship or why didn't that work and why was that so good? And, you know, we know them well enough to be able to to be able to ask that. And that's a level of trust that's definitely built up yeah. with them and us is that is they say, look, so you you know, we, we know you, so ask ask what you want, you know? Yeah. And I would say, yeah, okay, I will. But if you don't want to answer, you know, that's completely fine, but I will always ask the question. But that comes across fine. so clearly. Yeah. You can really see that, like trust element, mm, as yeah. you were just saying. It's incredible. And listening to them talk beforehand and then going yeah. to sing, they just seem like they absolutely effuse this delight in what they're doing and, yeah. and an amazing product. Yeah. So good. The songs are incredible, aren't they? Yeah, the songs are brilliant. But also yeah, we were really happy that we, we got it filmed really nicely. Yeah. And um, Emma recorded it <clears throat> and um, Felipe did the filming and then of course you know took it away and 
made it look really good. And we had no idea what it was going to look like. We, yeah. We'd seen some of his work before because he's worked with one of our other project team. He's worked with Charles before. And um, so we had a bit of budget that we could spend. And I thought, mate, let's just let's just spend the money on getting something that we can use either in its entirety or that we can use kind of as individual songs if people want a, a bit of um, music at an event or something. Mm. What a What a good... Yeah, good use good of cash. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Really good use of cash. And he, Felipe, was re- he's a really sensitive person, um, works with different kind of vulnerable groups as well. So, of course, then he completely understands if somebody kind of freezes and gets nervous, how to get them out of that of that kind of feeling. So mm. he was put, putting them at their ease. Yeah. They were having conversations and chats, and it all just makes for a much better um Product, I suppose, yeah. because everyone feels good about it. Yeah, absolutely. You often do five-day projects, don't you, in prisons and intensive. Um, at, when you're first going in there, do you find is it tricky to gain that trust to begin with? And do you have much resistance from the people you're working with, and and also from the prison staff who are there? I guess they know you more now, but yeah, I mean, trust is the biggest thing I think that we have to get. And we have to get that really quickly. Yeah. And I reckon because of the kind of people we are and because we're coming in to share something with them, it takes probably minutes, maybe half an hour for people mm. to go, actually, they're okay. And and it's completely down to the first conversations you have with people. Yeah. So if somebody walks in the room, you'd go up to them and you'd say, oh, hi, my name's Sarah. You know, uh, who are you? Do you play any of these instruments? You know, what, what, what do you like? What don't you like music-wise? And it's about engaging somebody on a level where they, they don't feel um, as, as, as though we're setting them up to do something that they're not going to achieve. Yeah. So I think humour is a massive thing in a prison. And if you can yeah. laugh, it's great. If you can laugh at yourself, it's even better. <laughs> yeah. And it just it generates immediately that sense of trust that you need when you're asking people to step so far out of their comfort zone to do something. Um, and I think if they trust you, they'll just go, oh, I'm, I'm sure you know best. It doesn't feel, doesn't feel great at the moment, but I'll, I'll give it a go. And you say, that's all you can do. We're not setting you up to fail. And, you know, because of the kind of people we are, I think, we love working with people. And, and often the music is kind of the side thing. It's the conversations you have and the yeah. laughs you have and, the, yeah. and you know, sometimes you hear things and you think to yourself, God, I, I have to keep a straight face. I can't react. But there's sometimes horror with some of the things they're telling you about. And it just might be their experiences yeah, of life or, you know, the, the kind of upbringing, for example. And th- those things are sometimes, well, they're, they are, they're very, very difficult to hear mm-hmm. because, you know, they've, they've had a life which I can only learn about from speaking to them. It wasn't my life. There's we don't have anything in common at all when it comes to that, um, and it makes me very sad because once you find out people's story, you can just go, "Oh, mate, I see why you're here." You know, I yeah. see what the, the the chain of events was that led you to be in this situation now. Mm. And you know, as a compassionate person, I think to myself, "Well, oh, I wonder what it might have been that could have moved you away from." that path but you know it's just a whole set of things that that converge and if you make one wrong decision you can often find yourself so far out of your depth Mm. and in a situation where you think okay so I've got to deal with this now yeah so the the um making tracks project that that's 
about helping young people that are in challenging situations. Yeah. And I guess sort of trying to prevent that from happening, sort of giving them an op- opportunities that they might not otherwise have. Yeah. I mean, we... When the organisation started, it was it was solely prison projects yeah. um, because that was my experience. That's what I knew how to do. Yeah. Um, and slowly as time went on, you realised that there are other things you need to do to make it a holistic offer. And it felt very important to us, certainly, that we firstly supported the people that we'd worked with in prison um, because many people were saying, oh, this is the best thing I've ever done. And, you know, what can we do? Can we can we come and work with you outside? And, of course, the answer to start with was, was well, actually, we don't have anything outside that, that that you can do. But so many people asked, and I thought, we need to make this happen. And the, the reason we need to make it happen is because people do so much and they learn so much on projects and in other activities they do when they're in prison. But when they come out, the whole it, 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 it's a whole new ball game. So, for example, the people that we might have worked with inside, if we pick them up um, and start working with them when they're outside, it's that one thing of familiarity that they have that might just help them feel slightly more stable than they would have done had they not had anything. And there are a whole load of kind of, you know, they call them interventions. It feels a, a strange word. But a whole load of things that need to work in harmony when people come out. Um, and you know, with the best will in the world, those things don't always work in harmony and you're leaving a very vulnerable person, even more vulnerable if they come out to nothing. Yeah. Um, so as well as doing that project, we were then approached by somebody to, um, who knew our prison work really well. And she said, she said, well, we've got loads of kind of young people whose next step might be the criminal justice system. Why don't you try and run a project with them? So we said, oh, okay, so we do that. And of course, you know, the, the focus is music. It, it doesn't matter who you're working with, but we're all, we're writing new songs and we're writing the songs that these people want to write. Mm. So they might want to write a, a song in a particular style that might not be a style that we're, you know, very, very um, clued up about, yeah. but you learn about it. And they tell you who to listen to if you want to learn about this genre. So you go away and listen to it. And that's been one of the most wonderful things about this work is that as musicians, we've grown so much um, through listening to what the people we work with suggest we go away and listen to. I mean, some of it's a bit a bit much, <laughs> yeah. you know. What's too far for you? What's, uh... what's uh, I think no, no music style is too far for me, but the content of lyrics... Mm. Is is sometimes too far. I wouldn't say often, yeah. Um, but but we do have to have those talks at the beginnings of projects sometimes. Just say, guys, you know, there are things that we can talk about, and there are things that we can't. Mm. Yeah. And you know, young people at that point, and sometimes you know, older guys in in prison say, "What? So you're censoring what we do?" And I can understand why they think that is, but mm. we have to explain it in such a way that obviously, if you're doing it under a youth offending team or you're doing it under a prison, there will be things that the prison and the youth offending team will be happy to hear. Yeah. And there'll be things that are an absolute no-go. Yeah. Mm. So we just have to get those boundaries kind of in place. Does it help that they are creating a CD for the end of it to send out to people? We've used that that as a... Yeah. yeah, (laughs) I bet that's a good self-censoring thing, actually. No, it's going to family or... Yeah, it it kind of is also also because it's... um, we, We... we say to people that uh, whatever's down on this disc or whatever people are going to download is going to be how you're remembered. So do you want so-and-so's nan 
to 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 hear that you know that's always a great do you want your mum to hear that do you want yeah yeah. and suddenly there'll be the light bulb moment and you'll and and you'll you'll see some of the lyrics have been re rehashed reworded I mean, um, we have to use the very same system here. <laughs> Do you really want your nan to hear that? Yeah. <laughs> Your yeah. harshest critic. You I know. know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, but yeah, and and it's respectful as well. I think you know, yeah. and we just say, look, let's let's do the radio edit. Yeah. And they're kind of happy with it. I think that the, the bigger picture is they're going to get something of their own, and yeah. many people have never had. Um, something, uh, you know, a, a, a download or a CD or whatever yeah. with their own songs on. So it's something that is very precious. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it usually works that, when you speak. Could you talk us through like the, the five, it's a five-day kind of intensive mm, course, mm. isn't it? How, how does that work? Um, how much of it is workshopping ideas? How much is it actually recording it? How does that process work? Okay, so day one is always a, it's great fun, d- yeah. day one, <laughs> chaos. absolute chaos so we would turn up with our van full of instruments we would unload it in the prison and and just trying to get a van load of instruments in a prison you can imagine (laughs) it's 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 difficult you know depending on the security of the prison you might have the 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 drugs dogs and the explosive dogs coming in to have a sniff around the van to make sure that we're not trying to take stuff in that we shouldn't so we then unpack it all and set it up and the prison will have selected a group for us and it will be a group of I don't know, eight, 10, 12 people mm. who've probably shown an interest mm. um, in it. So it's not compulsory for anyone. Okay. It, it's voluntary. Some staff may suggest to somebody that they might like to do it for a whole variety of reasons. Um, it's not an audition process. Uh, people <laughs> doing, nothing doing like that. Thank you. Can... of a show tune or something. Yeah, that's right. Behind a screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So next. Just flip your chair around. <laughs> yeah. You're in. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, nothing like that. No. So they, they signed up. And then, of course, you get them walking into the room. And it's a real mix at that point. You know, that, that's a crucial point for us to engage straight away. We might still be unpacking boxes because it's taken us, you know, half an hour longer to get in. Or we might be ready to go. But basically what they have in that room um, will be um, a drum kit, bass guitars, um, electric guitars, synths, mics, percussion and stuff. So... People would come in and they'd just go, oh, man, look at that. Oh, I remember playing that when I yeah. was younger. Da, da, da. Um, and others come in and say, oh, I can't play any of that. Oh, no, no, I, I don't, you know, oh, this is going to be terrible. And immediately see, you know, I suppose it's their fear of of failure even before they've started. So, you know, we just gather them together in, in a circle. And, and the purpose of the circle at that point is purely to find out their name, what kind of music they're into, have they played an instrument, do they write poetry, and just to find out for them, um, from them what they want to get f- from the week. Mm. So you, you get all, all kinds of kind of hilarious answers and, and you know, we ask them what music they like and they're, they're happy to own up to liking some of it and keep quiet <laughs> about, about, about um, liking other stuff, though those things come out um, as the week goes on, I yeah, suppose. Um, and then we just say, okay, guys, and obviously it, it, it'll be women as well in women's prisons. Um, yeah. So we say, guys, onto the instrument, go make a noise. <laughs> and so some rush to it and and the drum kit obviously is very loud. <laughs> and then the amps get turned up and somebody's strumming the guitar and they're playing <laughs> and, and finding the, 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 most di- the most difficult sounding sound on the on the synths, you know, at full volume. And it's absolute <laughs> chaos and cacophony. But in that mix, 
will be one person and there's always somebody who will play something that one of us can latch onto. Mm. So at that point, we'd stop the the chaos and we and we would say, uh, okay, one sec, God, can you just play that again? And it might just be four notes on a bass guitar. So I'd play four notes on a bass guitar. Okay, right, drummer. Oh, what's your name again? Okay, uh, drummer, can you? Um, on the bass drum, just go do, do, do. And we put that with the bass. And we start building things up very gradually. Yeah. But very soon people see that it's not a difficult thing to write a bit of music. Um, so the first bit of music might just be a bit of a test and somebody might just go, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to write some lyrics to that. And they'll hop on the mic and sing a few um, a few lyrics. But the purpose of that is to get everybody playing together and to find out, you know, if people are onto into various um, instruments, whether they're things they want to play, whether somebody just wants to write lyrics and do nothing else. So that's the purpose of that first session. Then once they've seen how quickly you can get a bit of music together, the rest of the project is is kind of off. It, yeah. it, and it yeah. goes on and on. And and over lunchtime, somebody will come back after lunch and say, oh, I've written this. Or somebody will come back overnight and say, oh, I was up till four in the morning trying these guitar chords. <laughs> up till four in the morning. Um, <laughs> but they come in and they're so excited and enthused by it. And we just basically work with what we have. Um, so our purpose is, is to guide, Yeah, I suppose, to fill in any gaps, if there are any instrumental gaps, to suggest structure to maybe show them different ways you can play things. So we say, okay, so if we've got the drums and the bass and the keyboard going at this point, what say we drop the keyboard out and we bring in something else? What mm. do you think that sounds like? So it's just our experience of how to yeah. orchestrate, I suppose. Yeah. Yes. Um, and and they go, oh, oh yeah, oh, ah, I like that. That's good. Oh, no, 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 not having that. <laughs> and they have all these kind of ideas. Yeah. And we're kind of giving them the tools with which they can then um, create themselves. So the creative process, I suppose, over that period of time will last till maybe Wednesday Wednesday lunchtime, by which time we probably would have had about five songs comp- composed. Not fully rehearsed, but on the way. And, of course, every time they go back to the first song, they realise how easy it was, but how difficult it felt at the start. Mm. So it's this kind of cumulative learning. We'd start to run the set on maybe Wednesday afternoon. Thursday we'd record it because um, we've worked in prisons long enough to know that anything can go wrong at any point and they can shut down a prison and you can lose your gig. So we always record before the gig in case the gig doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, And that way, you know, we're all there. They've got the experience of the red light, you know. So, okay, three, two, one, off. And you can see people going and, and they're gathering their paper and, and then you hear people go, oh, swearing because they got it wrong. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's like, no, it's okay, we'll do it, we'll do it again. And it really focuses the mind. So that hmm. that um, that recording session proves to be a really good rehearsal session as well. Yeah. So then we might just run it again a couple of times and then get ready to, to perform it to other prisoners, um, prison staff, occasionally outside guests if they can come in um, on the Friday. Wow. And that's 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 a great experience, that one. Oh, I bet yeah. it is. Because, uh, and it's just, you know, I suppose seeing how people develop over the week, because when they arrive in, some people are really confident and some people you can see are kind of drained of every ounce of self-esteem, self-confidence. But these things build up over the week when you're saying to people, hey, do you remember, you remember you couldn't do that yesterday? And how easy is that now? And it's just this kind of, 
constant af- affirmation, I think, of, of the fact that, you know, they've done a good job under yeah. very yeah. difficult circumstances. But then the kind of, you know, it's kind of, oh, yeah, we'll be fine. On, we'll, we'll be fine on Friday. Yeah, the gig will be, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll be great. And then Friday comes and they can see 50, 60, 70 people in the audience oh. and they go white. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going, and they go, oh, I've forgotten. Uh, oh, I haven't got my papers. Um, oh, which lyrics is this? Which song is this? And you can see, and we've all felt it as musicians, yeah. <laughs> yeah. walking out onto a stage feeling as though, I can't even remember how this piece starts, you know. <laughs> yes. And and of course, the pieces that we've written are not well known. We're the only people that know them. So that works in our favour, I think, because we make sure that we say to them, if anything does go a bit awry during during the gig, just don't let it show on your face. Trust us to get the band back in the right place. Trust us to look at you and let you know where you need to start singing or doing your bars, because we will do that. But there may be a... a, a Await, but we're the only ones that know it's gone wrong. The audience won't know because it's not a cover version. Yeah, so they're not going to know how the song goes. So mm. just style it out, and they do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's really good. Do most prisons not really have any music at all when you're not there? Some do, some don't. It's um, I mean, I, I look back to when I first started doing this work decades ago when I was teaching music in Wormwood Scrubs Prison. Mm. And just seeing how important it is for any group of people to have access to music and the arts because it's a real um, outlet for people. Um, it was quite rare then. Um, and yeah, it, how uh, did you get involved in the first place at Wormwood Scrubs? Uh, that was, that yeah. was through studying at Guildhall. Ah, yes. And uh, when I got to the end of Guildhall, I had no idea what I wanted to do next. You know, orchestral. I, I I quite enjoyed orchestral playing, but you're there was, a there was, artist, aren't you? Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. But there was something about it that that was. Uh, it felt as though it was a it was a, a big group that was being directed by someone. You were playing fantastic music, and I don't and, and I still love that music, and I always will. But there's something about being guided by somebody who was maybe waving their arms around you. You didn't have much autonomy, mm. and. Obviously, never good enough to be a soloist. Um, I loved chamber music. I loved small groups where you could kind of work together. And we had a clarinet quartet at Guildhall, and we still arranged all our own music because there was very little um, written for it. So we had a lot of experience of doing that thing and kind of getting excited by music again. And I enjoyed working with small groups of people. So uh, going back to leaving Guildhall and thinking, okay, so what's next? <laughs> because, you know, at, at that particular point, Orchestral job, teaching. There, there, there was very little uh, of music in the community happening at that point. But a new course started up just as I left, and I was invited to um, take part in it, even though I'd I'd left um, the college. And it was all about taking music to areas of the community which didn't get access to it. So Peter Renshaw ran this course, and it was its pilot year. And I think there were about 30 of us who'd kind of signed up thinking, oh, what's, what's all this about? And it just so happened my name was on a list that said Her Majesty's Prison Wormwood Scrubs, and that was our f- first-term project. So we had to get a gig together for 70 people that, that we didn't know. And, of course, prisons in that time, in the mid-'80s, nobody knew anything about them because they weren't in the press. They weren't, you know, they weren't spoken about. It was these, they, they were just these buildings in London that you, sat, you sometimes drove past and probably thought, oh, I wonder who's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly. Because you didn't, you didn't see it in the press and, and, and there was none of this kind of glorification or this, you know, this desire to, 
to share, you know, awful details about people and what they may have done. On the opening credits of Porridge, though, isn't that Bernie Scrubs? <laughs> um, I don't know if it, no, I think that's a different place, but that that is very much what an old Victorian jail yeah. Yeah. looks like. And that still that still remains a really accurate portrayal. Or, really? or, or bit char- characterized. Yeah. Um with, with the different people that you see. But back in the day not so much now, I think, because things have changed quite a lot. You would see a Fletch. You would see a Lenny Gobber. You yeah. would see a Lukewarm. You'd see all these people. <laughs> and uh, and it was kind of it was kind of wonderful. But anyway, so we went in to do this gig. And, um, and what was really kind of funny about it, I suppose, was that we were very naive and we had not been told necessarily that that taking instrument cases in with screwdrivers, sandpaper... <laughs> Yeah. And all the things that we always have in our yeah. in our um, in our instrument cases was not a good idea in a prison. So they searched all the stuff, you know, and took out the things that we couldn't have, which was completely fine. But it did mean that we were about half an hour, forty five minutes late arriving. So we ended up arriving at the same time as the, as this long train of men from D Wing were also um, walking into the chapel. So we had no time to set up, no time to rehearse, and it was just one of those those things. And of course. Uh, as I know now, prisoners will always ask a question. They all, they're they always very, very inquisitive. And it's a case of, oh, hi, who are you? Um, what, what, what are you here to do? What's in that box? How much did that cost? It's just yeah. all these kind of random questions. And I thought, <laughs> oh, this is really interesting because audiences for classical music kind of turn up, pay their money, clap politely. Yeah. And you hope they've enjoyed it, and I'm sure they have. But you don't know that because they don't tell you. So anyway, we went, we went in, we set up um, to do this gig, and... Uh, and it was just banter, you know, and in, in, in the ban- banter in the nice sense of the word, not not yes. in the negative yeah, yeah, yeah. connotations it is now, which it, it it's it it feels very different now. But it was just this chat that was being <laughs> thrown at us, and then we had to we had to reply. And I remember being really taken by this open kind of humour, and and just the fact that these guys were inquisitive about what we were going to do. But I think the clincher in that gig was definitely um, one of the guys, one of the prisoners in, in the crowd had written a piece of music which he'd never heard played. And oh. he gave it to Peter Renshaw. Peter Renshaw came over to me and he said, sorry, can we, can we play this? And he'd written this, um, this guy had written this piece for flute and, no, sorry, um, oboe and cello. So we transposed the oboe part and the, there was a cellist there. And it was beautiful. Oh, wow. So I was sat there playing my clarinet, tears pouring down my face, along with most of the rest of the, the band and some people in the audience. And I was just thinking, okay, right, so th- this is, they've seen this now. There's nothing I can do to, to take that back. This, this is just how this has affected me. Um, and I remember looking over to the guy that had written the piece of music and he was sat up really proud, mm. you know, and at the end of the piece, which was minutes long, just a few minutes maybe, absolutely stunning, all the people in the in the, in the crowd turn around and they say, oh, I didn't realise you could write that music. Hey, you're really clever, aren't you? And you could yeah. see the, the response that this piece had had to all his peers. And I suddenly thought, this is what music is about. It's not about that, that kind of cold, um, I hope you like what I've been practicing for 16 years to play (laughs) you yeah it's about responding in the moment and watching other people respond in the moment with such warmth 
and respect, I suppose. Yeah. So anyway, we had a cup of tea afterwards and that's another prison thing, tea and biscuits. Um, and the education officer at the time said, well, we've never seen anything that has gone down as well as this in this prison. Does anybody want to come and teach music? And I just said, yes. That was oh. it. So I'd never taught before. Um, apart from clarinet in the girls' school ac- across the, the lake from Guildhall. Oh, City of London City School of for London. Girls. Yes. It's quite a, quite a contrast, that, isn't it? It's a huge, <laughs> huge contrast. And I don't know, teaching clarinet for me, it didn't float my boat really. No. But there was something about this. And you know when you sense something is, is going to be good, but you don't know why? You don't know how mm. you're going to make it work, but you're just going to... You're just going to make it work. So anyway, I said yes, and then they go through this security um, clearance thing. And I had to – I waited for three months, I think, to get this. And then they they brought me in and introduced me. There were were 12 guys on the group, no musical instruments at all, just me and 12 guys. And I thought, oh, God. (laughs) And I thought, well, I can only be honest because um, they they sniff you out very quickly if – a, you're not honest, or B, you're trying to be something that you're not. And I thought, well, you know, I can only be me because that's what I do best, I suppose. And if they like it, that's great. If they don't, then I've I've done what I what I had to do. And happily, in that group, there were I think two or three of the men who'd heard the the gig a few months previously, so they came up to me. And that was a, a, a bit of a clincher, actually, because as soon as those three came up and started talking about, you know, what the double bass player or the singer or that that the, the piece that you guys played that was written by um, the other man, um, it indicated to the others that I was all right. Yeah. And that there was something kind of going on the, on there. So I was just honest right from the outset and said, look, you know, I you'll know very soon that I've never worked in a prison before, never taught music in this way before, but hey, let's just see how it goes. And if you need an answer to a question that I can't answer there and then, I'll go away that day and I'll come back with the answer next week. And they were absolutely fine with that. Brilliant. And then that two hours a week grew into a full-time job for 11 years. Wow. So it was amazing. Yeah. So what did you, what was the first thing you did with them with no instruments? Um, we, we would, I, I think what I was doing was just recounting the workshop games that, that we used to do, which I'm not a huge fan of now because I don't think they, they, don't they, they, this one back or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> You've done them too. Yeah, I've done those. <laughs> a million times. Yeah. Um, that boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. I mean, some of the, some of the things we did try them with those groups and some people were really up for it and others weren't. And we, we just took the decision not to do it because, yeah. You know, it, it's it's hard it's it's hard sometimes for for people in that kind of situation where they perceive something as being quite simple, that that it's not always easy to explain to them while you're why you're doing it. You know that it, it's an oral exercise or it's just you know an exercise to see if you can kind of clap rhythms in spaces or you know it's just about an, an overall awareness. You know they just go. Mate, you're mad. What are you talking about? That? <laughs> why, why, why aren't we on the instruments? We want to yeah. get on the instruments. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we managed to get some instruments um, from, you know, various staff members, beg, beg, borrow and steal them from various places. And we ended up with a, with a steal, whole load. Well, yeah. <laughs> not, 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 not steal from there anyway. <laughs> exactly. Good point. Yes, thanks. Uh, and uh, and we, we, just, we just got a whole load, whole load of stuff together. And we used to, they used to love theory lessons. Oh, 
Wow. Ah. <laughs> certificates, wow. you know. Ah. It's a big thing. A certificate of achievement. And of course, mm. you know, we did the Associated Board ones. And um, the theory class was one of the most popular. And every time I walked in, I thought, mate, you, you're not going to be saying this in a few years' time. <laughs> and they go, what are we sitting here with this book for? Did they have those glossy books? Yeah. The ABRs? There is a bit of a thrill to that. I love those. Yeah, yeah. until you get yeah. past grade five and yeah, you realise yeah. you have to work a bit harder. That's oh, I know, I know. I, just loved, I love just drawing notes. I used to love the action yeah. of drawing little note heads and stems they, they, and things. Yeah, they, they, these guys used to take a huge amount of pride in in making them look good. And, of course, you know, they loved they loved the, the process of an exam. And, you know, it was such a high pass rate because they worked so hard. You know, right. yeah. really high pass rate. Yeah. Where um, would they do the exams within the prison? Yeah, oh, great. Yeah, we did some practical ones too. And that was, I always remember that was very funny because at that time the Associated Board hadn't ventured outside. Um, you know, people coming to them, yeah. and sitting behind a desk, and <laughs> and you know, in a very austere way. Yeah. So it was it was really interesting for me to contact them and just say, look, these guys can't come out to you. Can you come into them? And fair play to them. They said, yeah, okay, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll give that a go. Um, but, of course, it completely shifted the balance when you're going to pick up somebody from the prison gates who is basically their jaw is on on the, the ground. They're going, where are we going? Who, who are we going to be meeting? <laughs> and their eyes are darting around the place. And Scrubs was, um, it, it had these kind of towers or turrets. And for some reason, for some reason, one of the Associated Board examiners said, are there any snipers up there? And I'm thinking, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, there aren't any snipers up there. You'll be completely fine. Um, anyway, and took them to the church, which was, there was a, a, a nice piano in the church. And, of course, you know, the, the, the balance has shifted then because they've come in and they they feel completely vulnerable. Mm. We've set it out nicely. We've maybe found them a chocolate biscuit or two, yeah. make them a nice <laughs> cup of prison tea. And then, of course, in bowls the person that's having their um, their exam. And you can see the visible relaxation that this isn't a person that has three heads and five legs and, you know, just, or just is, is somebody that, that they might have walked down the street next to. Yeah. And this is the big lesson about prison, I think. Is that all? The, all the pictures that are painted, quite graphically, sometimes of what these people are and what these people look like. Mm. It's everyone. Yeah, you know, everyone. Mm. I mean, football's a big thing in my life, and it's got me through a load of conversations in prison. You're yeah. an Arsenal fan, aren't you? Yeah. Rob Wilson told me about this. <laughs> he said he's a big Arsenal fan. Did he? He gave away my biggest secrets. It's what I've missed most in the lockdown. Yeah. One of the things I've missed Going most. Going to watch it. Yeah. Because yeah, you're a season ticket holder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what? Yeah. And it's, it's, been, it's been really difficult. Um, but anyway, it's great to have knowledge about that because Definitely, even if somebody yeah. doesn't um, support Arsenal, I can still have a conversation about football with them yeah. and we can we can disagree about, about, you know, how rubbish I think their team is or how awful <laughs> they think my team is. Yeah. But it's, it's a real leveller. And because I've always been so into it and, you know, I, I used to do random trips to Europe and, yeah. oh, God, oh, yes. I've had the best fun, I'll tell you. And I used to do that when I was quite a lot younger, that I would negotiate a few hours off at the end of the day to drive to Bradford, for example, for a quarter <laughs> to eight kickoff and arrive yeah. back at like three in the morning and get up at six to go to work. And I could <laughs> do that. And and th this was at the time I was at the Scrubs and... They'd all know I was going and they'd, they'd, they'd say to me, drive drive carefully, won't you? And, and you're in tomorrow, aren't you? You will be coming in tomorrow. So I said, yeah, 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 I'll be coming in tomorrow. It's fine. 
and I'd get back and and of course we might have won and we might have lost and and I just had to prepare myself for either of those things <laughs> um, but yeah so it, it's been a it's been a good leveler and it's also been a good way into people yeah um, if somebody's feeling a bit disengaged just try and find out what will engage them again and it might be football it might be music it might be a conversation about um I, I don't know you know it could be anything, yeah. but you've just got to find that and you've just got to care enough about people to want to do that. Yeah. And that's another one, one of the reasons why we work in teams of um, three, because it feels very important to all of us to be able to give people the time that we think they deserve. And that might be one of us sitting out for half an hour, having a conversation with somebody to make them feel good enough about coming back to the group. You can't do that if you're the only facilitator. No. So then the whole experience becomes something which becomes much more guided by the facilitator to, uh, you know, a kind of means to an end, really. Mm. Yeah. And the other great thing about about, about working, I suppose, in, in teams is you're working with your friends. Yeah. And, like, you know, all the people we work with, we've worked with for years, and they're fantastic musicians and even better human beings. So you're staying away in digs with them, having a great old time cooking and, you know, a few beers at the end of the night. But... The other thing about working in a team is you you find yourself gravitating to certain parts of the band that you might know a bit more about. So you're having more in-depth conversations, for example, with the keyboard players, um, and there's somebody over in guitar land and there might be somebody on the on the kit or working with the vocalist or something. So once you start building those relationships, you you have you have something that you can kind of really take a lot further uh, with people. You can you can ask them to do things that they might have said before, ah, can't do that. That's not going to work. But because you've got to know them and you've had these little conversations about various things, they're prepared to go the extra mile for you. Yeah. But as well as doing that kind of thing, you you do find out that maybe somebody would say, oh, do you remember on the first day that I said I wanted to have a go on drums? And we might have forgotten that. And so because I'm having a conversation with this person, it means I can go home and I can say, guys, we've completely forgotten this guy wants to go on the drums. So when we do the next song, Let's remember to get him up on the on the kit. Yeah. So it, it's you know, and you can't do that if you're one person trying to manage a whole group. But if you're in a team, you can, mm. and you can kind of make these things happen and just, I suppose, absorb and support a whole lot more yeah, than I you guess can if you're on your own. Yeah, exactly. I guess it like all the different personalities within yeah. your group yeah. means it will sort of work really well with different personalities that you're yeah. meeting in there. No, absolutely. Really supportive. Yeah. yeah. I bet you've got dead good at football commentary, though, haven't you? Because you must have to go in and do you recount live matches? <laughs> Less, uh, when I was at Scrubs, definitely, because I was seeing them on a on a very regular basis. Yeah. So um, we'd have discussions about <laughs> various things, and you know, oh, what was that like when they did that? Because of course, at football, you see it once. I yeah. mean, you can see it a couple of times yeah, now because yeah. of replays and, and VAR and stuff like that. Um, but they will have they will have seen something over and over again on repeats on the telly. But I will have only seen it once. And, and I'll come back in and I'll say, oh, that was an outrageous. How can they possibly think that? So, well, so if you'd have seen that, actually, if you've seen more of the angles, you'll, yeah. you'd soon see that it actually was a penalty or it was this, it was something else. Oh, all right then. But yeah, just it, it's a lovely thing. It's just a lovely thing to find what people like and to talk to them about it because yeah. it's about passion, I think. And that's something else that, that, that I really love about people is finding what it is, and it doesn't matter what it is, that really makes them sparkle and shine. Yeah. And it can be the most unusual things, you know. Obviously, if you talk about people's families and their kids and stuff, you know, you you really get a, a sense of 
the love that they have for them. But also that's a slightly difficult one to talk to people about because they might have been separated from them mm. for any amount of months or like years or a decade or whatever, how, however long they've been inside. So you have to be sensitive about that. But just finding out what people like, you know, a TV programme or, uh, uh, yeah, or a sport. Yeah. Just, just get them to talk and that helps you build a relationship and it helps you just get the best out of the situation that you're in at that point. Had you written many songs when you started doing this kind of thing? No, no, none at all. Did it come naturally or...? I think, I think when you work with a different group of people, you pick up and absorb all the tricks that they have and you just watch and you learn. And we all learn from each other. And I think our songwriting has become stronger because of the people we've been working with, you know. And I mean the project team, that the other musicians that are my colleagues. And I also mean the people that are really good at writing songs who find themselves at Her Majesty's Pleasure. And we've met some extraordinary musicians in there, extraordinary, like really skilled lyricists, really skilled musicians. And talking to them about their process, which is often really um, incredibly precise and methodical and thought out, um, just asking them about how they do it. And then you try that next time, you know. So it's an exchange of skills. Yeah, m most of it's mm. an exchange of skills. And also... You know, sometimes you're working there and, you know, you're having a good time with lyrics and you're getting somewhere, but you've got this real stumbling block of a line. And no matter you or the person that you're working with, you can't find that line. You just take it to someone else and say, look, we're missing seven syllables or we're missing something that sounds good with this but leads into that. And then they'll go, oh, what about that? Oh, got it. Thanks. Brilliant. Take it back. Keep it. Keep it going. So it's a real shared yeah. experience. It's really, it's writing songs by committee. Yeah. I, bet, I bet that's great, creating a sense of community, maybe amongst prisoners who wouldn't have socialised mm. or worked together before, and, you know, giving them opportunities outside of that class to have different relationships, which is probably a very freeing thing as well. Yeah, it is. It, it's something that staff have noticed as well. And it's also something the men really relish. Um, and I and I say men because that is the, the example I'm about to say, is that, yeah. is that there were a load of people who met on a music project, who'd never met each other before. And they'd struck up some firm friendships during the music project because of the because of what they were doing. Yeah. And then they continued those relationships on the wings afterwards and they'd be in and out of each other's cells, you know, oh. chatting about the project. And staff would go, oh, I've never seen those two people having it together. You know, that, that that's amazing because you'd see people buzzing around in different groups and yeah. they had the shared experience of knowing what it felt like to feel extremely vulnerable at the beginning to know how that process had made them feel and then get to the end and have um, have the crowd just go, hey, you did a good job there. Those <laughs> songs were amazing, you know, and it's why when, whenever we're spoken to about process and product, um, I, I see the, the, the merits in both, mm. you know. It if, if feels that we slightly shortchange people if we don't give them the opportunity to play and perform to people because you know as performers we know what it's like when somebody goes god that sounded great yeah hey well done i didn't even know you could do that it was good so to have people receive that praise you know yeah. it just it 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 validates you know yeah totally and what about you saying about certificates yeah, same thing really it's, it's <laughs> so it's so important for them to feel what it's like to be told you've done a great job yeah I want to ask you about your amazing 
Fellowship Travel Fellowship. Oh, was yeah. It called the Winston Churchill Travel Yeah, Winston Churchill Travel Fellowship. So you went to the USA, didn't you? Yeah. And Norway. Um, yeah. Studying, well, going and seeing what they're doing in, with music in the prison systems there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it sounded incredible. Yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a really great experience, actually. Yeah. Um, very fortunate to um, have the opportunity to go and do that. And I think when I was I was thinking about what I wanted to go and look at because they they pay you to travel to all these places and uh, as long as your work is happy for you to have between I think five and seven weeks off, um, then you know they you, you can go and do whatever you like. And I thought to myself, well, if I go to the states and I go to Norway, I might have the two polar opposites of prisons. And because I know what happens in the UK, it, it might be quite a nice kind of contrast, I suppose, to just to learn about about a system that might be quite archaic mm. and a system that is very, very progressive. But at that time, this is, this is 2015, um, I, was, I was really surprised at how much closer the UK was to the States than, mm. and, than, it, than I'd hoped, I yeah. think. And also at that time, there was a real sense of optimism in the States about, about, um, about what, was, what was going to be possible. And it was, it was pre- the last president. Mm. <laughs> um, but um, the Pope and Obama had just made, I think, what was their first visit to a prison. And it felt as though I think somebody cared about what was happening to the people inside the prisons in America. Um, and, yeah, it was an extraordinary experience because as well as looking at organisations that do work in prisons and everything, we got to go inside a couple of them. And, of course, once I went in, they wanted to know what I did and having a, an accent like I have, you become, you become someone that they just, that they want to listen to you talk. They love the accent. And, and, you know, you get asked, oh, have you met the queen? I was asked. <laughs> so, no, I haven't actually. <laughs> no. Um, did you have any they, royal stories you could feed them though? I had, I, well, I met princess Anne once. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, I, I met her once as a part of, um, I, I won a, an award from the prison service for the work I did at Scrubs and she happened to present it to me. So I'd been to Buckingham Palace. which sounded, and they uh, loved that. They absolutely loved that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was also at a time where I think it might have been Will and Kate's um, first child had just been born or maybe the, maybe the second as well, I can't can't remember. But they were saying, oh, do you, mem- do you remember where you were when um, when... Prince George was born, and I said, and I was thinking, Prince George, Prince George, Prince George. Oh, oh, right. No, I don't remember where I was. No. Oh, and what about when? And, and they and they know the names. It's yeah, Princess Charlotte, isn't it? I think. The yeah. Other one. And I was thinking, oh God, do I? No, I don't remember where I was. I don't even remember being particularly interested. <laughs> yeah. You know, but they are. They love it. But anyway, so um, yeah, went to I went to San Quentin, which was a real experience because, um. In that particular prison, they still have um, death row, even though at that time California hadn't executed anybody for a number of years because the governor was quite progressive and just said, you know, it might still be written in the rule books, but it's not happening mm. here. They still had death row, and I and I remember walking past it, and even even the most grim and dirty jail in England, and there have been some that that are that are really kind of unpleasant didn't hold a candle to this. And I remember looking at, um, I think, I can't remember how many hundred people there were on on death row. Anyway, 
doesn't matter. But I remember walking past um, this big compound which had corrugated iron over the top of it. And I said to one of the people we were with, I said, you know, what is that? And he said, that's their exercise yard. And there there was virtually nowhere for light to get in. So they kind of exercised in the dark. And I just thought, well, you know, you're spending 5, 10, 15 years, maybe 20 years on death row, knowing that, you know, you won't be executed because California doesn't do that anymore, but you're still being mm. kept. And I could not square that away in my head. No. Mm. I really I really couldn't. But, you know, by and large, the people that, that I met and I saw over there, certainly, you know, prisoner-wise, were exactly the same as the guys and girls that you'd meet over here. Yeah. You know, they're just people that have fallen foul of a few things and they're, they're in there doing very long periods of time over there, very, very long. Um, and, you know... We, I'd gone to see, you know, the arts and, and how the arts was used and music was used. And it was just fantastic, like really, really fantastic. And I went to a place in Boston as well, one of the prisons south of Boston, and had to kind of give a presentation because, when you know, somebody from England's coming over. Oh, they can, they can speak to us about what this is like and what they do. And, of course, because I'd had experience of working in the situations that I just then found myself in with them, it, they they thought I was authentic, which yeah. I was because I'd been in those situations before. So they were asking all kinds of questions about what we did and how we did it and, and everything. And we're kind of really taken, I think, by the work. Um, so I, I, oh God, it was, yeah, it was a real eye opener. And then, of course, going to Norway, yeah. which was completely the the opposite from, from that, you know, spick and span, clean, extraordinary rela- relationships, you know. And of course, you know, I'm not naive enough to think that some of the things I saw were the things they take people to see when you're a visitor. Yeah, mm. sure. Because they want it to be, you know, the best. And they want me to go away and go, oh, my word, prisons in Norway, you're oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, you, you do see places that, that really have um, a sense of the first day of a sentence is your first day of your journey out of the prison, no matter yeah. how long you're doing. And I think in Norway there's a maximum sentence of just over 20 years and, and you can't be sentenced to anything longer than that. Um, but, yeah, day one in the prison is, is, is where the exit starts. And so they're they're helping you with education. You know, there's a real focus on education and learning and just preparation. I think for yeah. for for doing it, but very very clean and very polite and obviously much much smaller. And that's that does make a difference because there were thousands of people in the jails in America. Yeah. There are hundreds, sometimes thousands, in jails in um, in UK and in Norway. When they say, "Oh, this is a massive prison." And and I said, oh, how many people? Oh, 150. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> okay, yeah. I saw one of your photos of the view from the music room yeah. in Bergen. I think it was. Oh, that that that, that was the that was an island. Um, oh. and they yeah the 32 that there were at that time. I think they've closed it now. Yeah. Um, 32 people. Oh and then, really? Yeah. On, and that on view an island. of the lake. Oh my god. It was beautiful. It was yeah. stunning, wasn't it? Oh, so were there anything that you were learning in Norway and things you saw in the US as well that that you could you felt like you wanted to bring back and implement in the work you were doing, or did it sort of shore up your feeling that you what you're doing at the Iron Taylor Trust is kind of it? It just made you feel certain about that. Yeah, I mean, it was just a kind of a, the opportunity for me to go and you know take a bit of time off and to learn how other people do it. Yeah. So I think that the most important thing was not necessarily. Uh, learning new ways of doing things because what I did learn very quickly was was especially the Americans and to a certain extent the Norwegians as well saying 
why are you guys coming over here to learn from us? We learn everything we learn from you. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the arts and criminal justice has, has been fantastic in this country for 35, 40 years. Uh, like really, really strong and a world leader. Um, there, there are still fantastic things over here, but other people are learning and developing stuff for them for themselves. But I think what that trip gave me, as well as the opportunity to just, you know, do something for myself, um, even though it was busman's holiday, which it was intended to be, is that it's given us really strong relationships in the States and really strong relationships in um, Norway. And we travel there to work with people. Um, we had a really great relationship in Chicago, which started actually prior to that um, trip. But I've now built relationships in in New York as well and up in Boston. Um, so you can talk to people and you can find yeah. out and you can support people and you know, just join them, especially now on on their their Zoom shows. If it's mm. not midnight yeah. over here, <laughs> um, but yeah, we go over to um, Bergen uh, on a yearly basis to train music teachers and to work with the guys in Bergen Prison. There, um, sadly, last year didn't happen. We just had a meeting about about the possibility of going in in October this year. So fingers crossed. Yeah, it'd be really good. But, you know, I think they they see it as something valuable for them. It's great for us to be able to share our practice um, yeah. and to kind of just engage in something that we feel passionately about. Yeah. Um, and to show people how we do it and to support them to do something similar. So, you know, it's a bit of a win-win really. So what what's the future look like? Is it is it easy to see what the future's going to look like with everything? No, it's no. Not, not, not. Not at the moment. I mean... Working in the community is going to come back online uh, much sooner, obviously, because we can start to work with small groups of people in safe settings. Yeah. So that's OK. Prisons, I think, will be lucky if we're in June, July, August, possibly later. Mm. And I also think because in prisons there is so little space to work that it, it wouldn't have been uncommon for us to be in a space like this that we're in now yeah. that, would that would be full of instruments and about 14 people. Yeah. And we'd wow. be, yeah, so we'd be okay. stepping over ramps, we'd be crawling under, you know, guitar stands and stuff. Um, and that that, just, that isn't going to happen again. It's no. just not. Right. So when uh, we do get back into working in prisons, I think it's going to be smaller numbers in a very different way. But, you know, we've, we've got some online stuff and some remote stuff now that we can, we can do kind of side by side, I think, with the, with the face-to-face work. But... You know, face to face work. I've I've so missed it. Mm. Mm. You know, because that that's when you see the 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 strength of the work. I think is is seeing those reactions with people. Yeah, and it's very much in the moment. You respond to the moment, and you can't respond in two dimensions. You need to be able to see somebody on a keyboard having a problem with something they've written down. You need to be able to run across and say, "Hey, are you okay? Can I help you? You know, what's?" And they'll go, "Oh yeah, I've, you know, I've picked up the wrong bit of paper, and all my notes are on the other one. Don't worry, we'll write it out again." Yeah, but you can't. You just can't do that, you know. And you miss those lovely conversations that you have with people. Yeah. You know, and it's all of us. We've all missed those things. Yeah. And it's been a real hard slog. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, kind of looking back on it, I don't want to forget what it felt like um, because it, it, it's important, I think, to know the amazing job that all of us have done to get through a pandemic. Yeah. Yes. You know, inside or outside, whoever you are, whatever, you know, whether you've been homeschooling or whether you've been on your own, whatever, everybody has done a magnificent job to get through this because yeah. it's been yeah. hard. Oh, yeah. Um, you said you wanted to talk about Rob Wilson. 
Yeah, what do you want to know about Rob? Oh, tell us something scurrilous. Go on. There's nothing. There's nothing scurrilous. <laughs> oh. um, unfortunately, there's nothing scurrilous about about Rob. Um, yeah, Rob came to us via another friend he'd worked with, and you know when we when we kind of boost our project team, it there's no better way than if one of our team has been off doing another job with somebody and they've said, "Oh, I found somebody who'd be perfect for this," yeah. because they know kind of what's involved. Anyway, so Rob came along, and. Um, I realised that Rob and I hadn't worked together on a project for probably a couple of years into into his workshop leading with us, and then when we did, it was it was ridiculous because we 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 quite like a good time, we quite like a drink, and and <laughs> and it it was just so lovely to be able to kind of be with him in this situation. I think it might have been where were we? I can't even remember where we were. But 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 we'd said we'd said we'd known each other a long time. We'd never actually worked together. But he mm. he does the lullaby projects with us as well. Um, so it's been great to work with him on yeah. those. But what what a talented musician! And yeah. you know, someone like Rob, and it's the same as Nick, and it's the same as the majority of our team. They are magnificent musicians and fantastic human beings. And either one of those needs to be able to come to the fore. Yeah. You know? Sometimes you don't use your music because that's kind of taken care of. But you as a human being in that kind of situation is is so important and key. But, you know, he's he's very he's very low-key. Oh, actually, yeah, we went to Bergen. We went to Norway together. Did you? Oh, my word. Yeah, that was great fun. <laughs> and, I, and, and I remember, I, yeah, he's got, he's, got, he's got a really good sense of humour. Yeah. As you know. And he... Oh, you won't be. You've had to cut this bit out anyway. Oh, <laughs> yeah. we can cut it out or, okay, or bleep it. Or, yeah. or I can't. I can't the, the actual story, but I, <laughs> he was. Um, this is how I remember the story. We were in a very small room trying to write um, music, and there was just there was just me and him. So that there wasn't that third person. So both of us were working quite hard to do this. And I remember at some point, I said, "Rob, you know, could, he was playing the piano, or, he, or the, uh, and." And I got him to do trumpet solo. And just the way he did the trumpet solo was that he had a trumpet down here. And I was leading this from the front and everybody was doing their doing their bit of stuff. And I said, and I, and I just went like that to Rob and he just picked it up. And almost the rest of the band stopped because they hadn't heard him play the trumpet. And he was doing he was doing this thing and he put it down kind of really kind of shyly, which is which is one of his endearing qualities, one of his many endearing qualities. But then as you get very tired and you're trying to make these things work. You feel the urge to kind of laugh or do something, and I feel this very strongly sometimes. If I'm tired, that 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 you just you want to laugh, you you want to let this humour kind of out. And I remember he was playing some random chord sequence or something on the piano. He was concentrating really hard, and I remember just going over to the piece of paper and just knocking it. And <laughs> and he just looked at me, and and he obviously wasn't going to lose it with me obviously but he he started to laugh and so I, I put it back and just knocked it the other way and then at some point I knocked it on the floor and he just said oh f*** off, just, just f*** off in, in the middle of this cacophony nobody else would have heard it no. I heard it because I could see it in his eyes you know it's just and, and it and it just made me laugh but you know he's 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 great all, all our team are wonderful yeah. you know but such you know solid people real good human beings really really good human beings and the reason that the work that we do as an organization is so good is because of those people because if you don't have the people that are committed to it it will just turn out as some run-of-the-mill thing that somebody you know somebody had an idea feels a bit rushed and hurried but hey tick, let's tick that box yeah, and go exactly. on 
there's no investment in it, you know, and it's investing yourself and and your skills, I think, in a group of people that that just that, that they want you to do this. And that's that's the beauty of this work is if you show your passion and commitment to a group of people who might be slightly oh, what what is this if they see you communicating and being passionate they're on it straight away and they join you for the ride and that's why it's so good hey about that? so good yeah. She's so great, isn't she? I was thinking about how the things we kind of fill our lives with that, that we mm. are dedicated to, the things, our passions, like I imagine you're the same, must be, like all, all musicians are like pr- practising our instrument and just trying mm. to get better at music and uh, immersing ourselves in that world. It doesn't feel like work and it's it's something that you'll, hap- you'll happily consume your every waking moment with uh, yeah. along with other things in your life. But it never feels like work, like... If you're doing a job you don't really like, you know, something just to pay the bills, that can feel like you're, you're watching the clock and yeah. you'll do the bare minimum because you're you're not invested in it. And clearly with, with Sarah, she just is so invested and loves it so much. Yeah. And I don't think that is true for everyone that does that kind of work. No. There, there are definitely people that, that are literally there, they're, they're there to sort of, like tick a box for like funding reasons or something. Yeah, like totally. You've got to do some outreach, and it's not like that at all. And and I I think that it, it shows because it, it's really about being there at, at the coalface and dealing with individuals yeah. and on a human level. Absolutely. And you can't you can't fake that at all. No, no. And the way that she talks about it is it, you can tell because she's so passionate, and it's none of you don't feel like she's saying. It's not like she's reading from, you know, like their project statement or whatever. Everything is yeah. so passionate and it comes from her. And and the way that she talks about the prisoners and then the way she talks about her colleagues, it's so great, isn't it? Yeah, it's really brilliant. <clears throat> really inspiring, really great. I came away from that um, interview feeling totally inspired. And yeah, yeah. I've wa- I watched the 25th anniversary concert. I was just blown away by the, the talent and also their incredible talent to harness that and put mm. together these amazing songs and performances nice yeah 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 now i've got an, a message that we received this week oh have you yeah. is it nice it's, is the language good <laughs> it's it is nice it's a nice good. yeah it's a nice message now i thought i'd read a bit out i won't say who it's from because it was a personal message that they sent oh but uh it was really nice oh good and I thought I'd just read a bit out. It says here, the podcast has genuinely brought a lot of hope and joy in such a S-E year. I, I, uh, S-E. It's such a, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) I tried to censor myself. (laughs) S-E, it's S-E. S-E, S-H-E. Shitty. Oh, okay, sorry. That went went well. That really went well. All of your guests, yourself and Verity, are amazing advocates for creative thinking, growth mindset and resilience. And it's so refreshing to hear the honesty and passion behind everyone's journeys. Oh, 
That's lovely. One of your guests used the word tenacity to describe the mindset you need to achieve and grow in the music industry. It really spoke to me as a quality I've really needed, seeked out this year, and one that the podcast has in boundless energy. Ah. The sheer determination and strength to keep going when the beauty and power of the arts keeps being muffled by various things. Much love, (laughs) person. (laughs) That was hard to do. That was hard to redact that on the fly. Anyway, um, that was very nice. how lovely is that? Yeah, so lovely. Uh, I mean, I feel bad sort of reading out praise, but... uh, No, no, uh, that's great. It's it's nice to feel like we're... We get we've got some feedback. Yeah, from it's someone. much nicer than reading one out saying you're both useless and I hate you. So yes, lovely. I got another one from uh, Rob in Leighton, <laughs> and he said, "Hi, oh, I God. have a merch idea. I think you should sell three in a bar condoms. Best wishes, Rob Robert Simmons. Do you know him? Can Is we he... get him blocked? Is it possible to get him blocked? <laughs> Awful. Is that a bad morning with the kids? That one." I think probably yes. I imagine that's it. At least he wasn't asking for divorce papers. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, it's been a mixed mixed bag, mixed mail bag this week. <laughs> yeah, it certainly has. Um, but uh, hey, if you'd like to contact us with anything, any you know guest suggestions, yeah, if you've got a contact you, you think would be good, uh, if you'd just like to send us a, a lovely message or a, a horrible message, we're up for that. Yeah, we and are. And you can get in touch with our brand new email address. <gasps> oh, Have go you guys on, tell ever us. set up an email address that's like <laughs> not a Gmail one? Well, uh, we, we did it this week. We did it. We've got an email address. It is. You ready for this? Go on. I'm going to do a little fanfare here. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> if only I had the tools <laughs> to actually record a fanfare. Imagine. Hmm. Imagine that. <laughs> No, I still don't know where my trumpet is, if you were listening last week. No idea. <laughs> the email address is hello at threeinabar.com. Oh, man, does that sound professional or what? How about that? How about that? Hello at threeinabar.com. Yeah, who, who are we going to get our first? first one from? Come on. The first person to email us yeah. with a message about anything at all. Yeah, what can we send them? Gets a prize. Yes. Oh, I love a prize now, giveaway. What should we give them? What have them? we got? Do we have um, anything? I'm just looking around the room I'm in currently to see if there's anything that I can find that would be appropriate to give away. What have you got there, Seb? Anything? I've got, you know what? I've got, I've got a, um, I've got a box of seven inch records here. Have you? Yeah. And are you willing to give any of them away? Yeah, I'll give one oh. away. Pick one out now, right now. All go right, on. hang on a sec. I'll just go back to, go to my box. Okay, okay. We'll see if I've got anything to add to this party. <laughs> right. I've got a box of seven-inch records. Basically, I'll tell you what happened was, in uh, about 2005... Yeah. I got a bit obsessed with buying all the singles that came out every Monday from HMV and Virgin. Really? And uh, so I've got quite a extensive collection of indie records uh, from that kind of era for right. about four months. Okay. And I've been selling so them on Discogs. Have you? And yeah, I bet some actually... of them actually, some of them probably get quite a bit, don't they? Because they're niche. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Could you pick one well, at random? Well, the first one here yeah. is Arcade Fire. Oh. And it's Neighbourhood 3, Power Out. Yeah. Live from the Great American Music Hall, 2005, at Side A. Side B 
is This Must Be The Place, Naive Melody, featuring David Byrne, live oh. from the Irving Plaza in New York City. Hey, is Kelly Pratt on this? Because we could tie this in so neatly with our podcast if you give this away and he is on it. Is he? Is he? Can we pretend he is uh, even if he isn't? I don't know. He did tour with, with Arcade Fire, didn't he? Yeah. He did, there must yeah. Be, there's got to be a link there. Look, that's good. That's tenuous, but that's great. Perfect. So, so the so first that, person... That, if we sign it, that's not yeah. going to make it better, is it? That's going to make it worse. I'd say that's going to make it worse because if people want okay. to just immediately get on Discogs and sell it, then... That's true. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll put... Uh, we can sign it. We'll put a little note in there. Let's we'll put a note that. in. Yeah, okay. And you get a free copy of Arcade Fire, Neighbourhood 3. Yeah. Power Out. So it's that a is a promise. Song. The first person to send us a message at hello at three in a bar.com first message this is all yours get yeah. texting <laughs> so text us a nice message and or bad message yep and your address yes in fact not your address do, do if, if you win it well you, you can give us oh i've got another one here what arcade fire a fact right that's what we'll do because they're, they're part of the same they're two versions of the oh, same I see single. that that's nice but one's got these live versions on it and yeah. the other one has got the album version and it's also got the same song, an August session. It's just the same song three times than the David Byrne. Lovely. I guess it must be the place. <laughs> Do you want to record? You could re- record yourself doing it as well, just to add another version. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Mind, I'm, I'm losing money here, guys. I'm losing money. Yeah, this is this really is, good uh, of you. I'm, I appreciate this I'm, because I just I'm looked around and there's nothing here on to Discogs. Give. Good. Yeah. Right. So I'm selling the the one with David Byrne on. Yeah. I'm selling that for four pounds sixty. Ooh. And the other one I'm selling for eight pounds ninety. No, no, no. <clears throat> Are you sure you want to take these? Don't want to take these back, and we can just you know find an old Blur single or something. <laughs> <laughs> if you want a Blur single, I've got that too. <laughs> I bet you have. No, I haven't. I, I had a. Gorillas single. Have you? I bet you've got Cooler Shaker in there, haven't you? And maybe. No, you're you're no? going back too far. I'm no, too you far. need to think think more okay. like mid noughties. Oh, oh, okay. Oh. I've got like um. Who's this? Test icicles. Testicles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Future heads. The cribs. Yeah, test icicles again. <laughs> Forward Russia. Interpol. It's that kind of thing. Nine Black Alps. Well, there you go, you listener. If, if you uh, if you think back fondly to these bands, there's a whole treasure trove here. Um, yeah. But uh, but are you going to st- are you going to stand by your promise? Are we going to give those away? Yes. Well, yeah. Great. Do you think that that's actually a good thing to do? Is there yeah. any point really sending us an email? What what, what are we getting out of that? Well, I just pleasure. <laughs> I, love, I love getting an email. It's like the new post, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah. Great. In fact, I'm going to very slightly tweak this. So. We said it was going to be the first person to email, but that's not very good for competition, is it? I've just realised. So <laughs> let's make it. Everyone email. You've got all week to do it. And on top of that, please share the podcast somehow online. Okay. So if you've done both of those things, yeah, then we will announce mm. the winner at random on next week's podcast. So do both those things. And these two lovely seven-inch singles will be winging their way to you. Woohoo! They're good. Great. They'll just keep, keep them in their plastic and they'll they'll just go up in value. Yeah. Keep them out of the sun. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Well, so, so on that note, should we uh, should we sign off for this week and uh, yeah. let people go? 
But we'll be back yeah. next week. Yeah, we'll be back next week. We've, yeah. we've, we have got that one in the can, haven't we? We have. Um, uh, and we'll keep doing more. I think we're going to start doing them in person because that is better, isn't it? It's such a joy. So, yes, absolutely. We've got somebody yeah. else lined up. That's exciting. Um, yeah. Hurrah. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, uh, love you all and cheers cheers for listening again and uh, uh, have a lovely week. Just mm-hmm. don't, don't do anything silly. And if you do, email us about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So email, share the podcast if you do both things. Become a Patreon. Why not? Become a Patreon, yeah. yeah. Click the link down there below. Yeah. And uh, see you later. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.